Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Sports Talk with Broads. I put up a Twitter poll asking the question... Are you satisfied with the 76ers play? Are you satisfied with last night's win, specifically against the Toronto Raptors? And I'm a little stunned with the results. I'm blown away that I'm in the minority because I'm not thrilled with what I saw and what I have seen from this basketball team out on the floor. So 66.5% of people are okay with the team winning ugly. 33.5% says, no, it feels the same. Of course I'm not satisfied. And that's the category I'm in. When I look at this team play, it doesn't feel like it's they are just learning the system. It doesn't have that vibe that they are only failing because they're trying to do new things with Doc Rivers and it's not working as smoothly as you would have anticipated. To me, it dives deeper than that. I looked at this team last year. They won 43 games in the shortened season. And what I saw was winning basketball games, but it was horrible. It was terrible. It was an awful watch every single time you sat on your couch and flipped to NBC Sports Philadelphia, TNT, ESPN, NBA TV, you name it. Wherever you watched those games last season, they won 43 times. So they were winning games. They were winning games ugly. And it just has that feel right now that if they keep it like this, if this is the style they they are going to consistently try and play, you will win games, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will be an enjoyable ride. That's all I'm looking for for this specific season. I need it to be enjoyable. I don't see this team going to the promised land and Joel and B giving you 35 points, 18 rebounds, and cruising through playoff series. I, I just don't see this team being there. Are they in a better position for the long run based off of what they did this previous offseason? Absolutely. Am I excited for what this can possibly be with Daryl Morey? Absolutely. This season, though, I just need it to be good basketball, entertaining, a fun watch, because I think they have a limit. I think they have a cap based off of what is actually on their roster. But when I watch this team play right now, I'm a little baffled. It's four games. 
I've seen common themes in those four games. Now, what were we informed about Doc Rivers and what he wants to utilize? Pick and roll. Well, according to Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice, they are still near the bottom of the league in pick and roll play, and you're constantly seeing handoffs. You're seeing post-ups, which makes sense because of Joel Embiid. And one of the strongest parts of his game that isn't getting discussed enough, in my opinion, is how well he was running the floor against the Toronto Raptors. How great he was at establishing position early by getting up the floor, getting in the spot that he wants to, putting his hand up, saying, yo Give me the basketball. And he was initiating all of the offense that he wanted to when he did that. So, so that was stellar, without a doubt. It was such a, a big part of the game that I feel is flying under the radar, to, to be honest with you. I feel that you look at this basketball team right now, and there should be concerns because that's what you've been seeing, right? There should be concerns with the offense, with how stale it is at times, with the inability to knock down shots. Doc thinks eventually it will just flow, it will just happen. I question, is this what you are? Now, I don't think they're going to be a 26% from three kind of team. It will be better than that, but I, I still can ask the question, will it be good enough? Is Seth Curry and is Danny Green good enough? I'm more concerned with Danny Green than I am with Seth Curry. I think you can get away with him in the starting rotation, but as I alluded to yesterday in the postgame pod, I question if 33 minutes is too much of the guy. You're almost losing value because you're stretching him out over a longer period of time, and, and compared to if you just let him fly for 25 minutes, the impact would be stronger based off of not not playing as much, but having such a a, a more physical, a, aggressive impact on the outcome of the game. But look, we are broadcasting live from the Manscaped Man Cave. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BROD at manscaped.com. I was on the Sports Bash today from 2 to 5. We actually had a shortened show. Instead of 2 to 6, we went 2 to 5, and then we had a... a New Year's special of the current state of the Philadelphia sports teams, which will play again tomorrow from 2 to 4 on 97.3 ESPN. But we had one of our very loyal texters, Dan from EHT, text into the text board during the show when we were breaking down what we saw out of the Sixers-Raptors matchup, and he said he sold on this team. He feels that, look, they're winning ugly. They're finding ways to win games when they're playing bad. Imagine what happens when they play well. And I just don't know if I'm fully committed to that because I see major flaws throughout this team. I'm really blown away with the results of that poll. That 66.5, essentially two-thirds of people are okay with them being 3-1 and one because even though it's ugly, they're winning games. Like, How come you're not looking back at last year and realizing that you can still win basketball games in an ugly way and that doesn't automatically mean that you are a great team when when you turn it on. It might be a reason why you are constantly winning ugly. I'm not claiming that this is who this team is forever. It is very clear that you learn, you adapt, you make adjustments, you make moves, you you learn a lot about your team, you put your guys in different spots, you try new things throughout a season. So just because this is their identity for four games, it doesn't mean that's their identity forever. I am concerned, though, that there might not be more than this, and I'm basing this off of last season. 
I'm worried that I'm going to get thrown back-to-back Sixers seasons where it's really not even head-scratching, but hair-pulling. And Ben Simmons is a big part of that equation for sure. 11, 13, and what was his finishing? 11, 13, and 7. Now, we had Paul Hudrick on. He's our Sixers insider on 97.3 ESPN. We were asking him a bunch of questions, his takeaways from what he saw in South Philadelphia Tuesday night. And I brought up Ben Simmons. And I prefaced it by saying I'm a Simmons guy. But at what point do we need to demand more out of him offensively? At what point? And Paul brought up that he did some things that he loved. He was aggressive. And that's a big part of this, him being aggressive. He just needs to be a better finisher. But we've been saying that for a long period of time. He gets to the rack and what happens? Soft layups, hits hits the rim, hits the back of the rim. You are unbelievable when it comes to size, when it comes to body structure, when it comes to who you are at 6'10 in your frame. You're telling me you can get all the way to the hoop, but that's when you're going to be soft and that's when you're going to fail? In what world? In what world are you not just going to take it to the next level and finish at the rack? Now, this is where I have the issue with the people that will claim that they've been saying this for years, that they've been screaming this about Ben Simmons since the second year he's been here. That's not enough time. You can't just say, this is who he is forever after one season of basketball, after two seasons of basketball. Now, I will admit, we are starting to get in that area where you are seriously not seeing enough of that addition. I think he's working on it behind the scenes, but it's not coming out naturally in the game. You would think eventually, because he's working on it so much, which I know he is working on it, and it is being drilled in his head, he's not pulling the trigger in games until we see that at a higher pace, a faster pace, and it's not going to work. And at this point, we are getting in that territory. We are getting in that range of, okay, there's enough of a sample size. But for everyone who's been saying it after the first year, the second year, how how do you watch basketball? Do you not see guys develop? Do you not see guys grow? James Harden, was it this version of James Harden, the 44.18 assist guy? You think James Harden walked into the league at 22, 23 years old and was him? Absolutely not. He was the sixth man. He was coming off the bench. He developed. He molded his game. He learned the game. He added to his skills that this wasn't who he was forever. So that is a perfect example of what I'm saying where you can't just write guys off in the beginning. But I will also acknowledge and agree that now it is in ro- it is in play. It is absolutely a discussion that you you are not getting enough in terms of him taking that next step and taking that next stride towards being the player that we need him to be. I think it's very telling that Danny Green consistently talks about Ben Simmons to the media. And for all the Brett Brown haters that mentions all the time, well, the coach told him to shoot and he's not shooting. Fire Brett Brown. Joel Embiid said it in the past. Now you have Danny Green. And when Danny Green first got here and they were having Zoom meetings and media press conferences after practices, he alluded to how passive he was. It was almost as if he was stunned and shocked by how passive Ben Simmons was. He's played with LeBron. He's played with Tim Duncan. He played with that whole era of San Antonio Spurs basketball. He played with Kawhi Leonard. 
And when I hear him stress that Ben is is being too passive, for him to be stunned, it almost takes it to the next level. That's the way I view it. For someone like Danny Green, who has been involved in a lot of film studies, a, a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of practices, a lot of coaches, for him to almost be this taken back by it, 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 it should tell you and intensify how brutal it really is at times, even though we do value what he brings to the table from an assist-level standpoint. We do value what he does on the defensive sl- side of the floor. And, and he was also talking about how Ben's still working on that point guard part of him. As if part of what he's still trying to learn is getting guys in certain areas out on the court. Him being the reasons why some of these plays are effective. Some of these sets are working because Ben Simmons is delivering the pass in the right moment and coming off of certain screens. So he was almost alluding to Ben Simmons still processing all the information on how to even be a point guard in this league. Which, I mean, if you think about it, it's not crazy to think that a guy who is Ben Simmons and him getting thrown into a point guard position should take time because it should. But it's almost as if it's drilled in our brain that this is what he does so well. He finds his teammates that it's so simple to him and it's so easy. And all you got to do is is find your open men, which he does do. He tends to do a great job at that. But him, Danny Green, him saying that, it's another eyebrow raiser as if maybe he's seeing things from a point guard position, from a point guard standpoint where he played with other guys in the past that did it at such a higher level that maybe Ben Simmons is missing that part of his game. But a lot of people say he's he's not a point guard. Well, here's my counter to that. If you take the guy's ball, if you guys take the ball out of this guy's hands, uh-oh, what are we saying there, bro? If you take the ball out of his hands... I don't know what you have. I don't think he can operate with that. That's a no-brainer trade. If you're telling me Ben Simmons is only a defensive specialist, he's a point forward with some air quotes, and he stands around a bit, and you're taking the ball out of his hands, well, guess what? You're you're in trouble, in my opinion. You got ways to go. You got you got to make a trade. That's how I see it for sure. All right, we have some anytime hotline calls to get to, without a doubt. Oh, oh, one more thing, one more thing as I'm looking at my notes. Embiid was unbelievable, right? He he was dominant. He was fantastic. He was really enjoyable to watch. Him specifically putting the team on his back, coming back from the hamstring injury. I think that's telling. We talk about growth all the time. Joel Embiid actually coming back because he wants to. He's making a statement. We've never seen this out of him. We've never really seen him to the point where he's willing to fight through the injury, come back, and and, then have that mentality, put the team on the back, demand excellence out of himself. That was a different Joel Embiid that I really don't remember seeing since his time here, since he got drafted, since that miserable face we saw when apparently it was on tape delay, so he didn't see himself get drafted yet, but we all thought that he was unhappy to be in this city. Since that moment, we haven't really seen him, and and who knows how serious it was. The way that he played, it makes it seem like it wasn't even that big of a deal anyway, but I still think because it's him, because it's the nature of Joel Embiid, it's something that needs to be highlighted. I think it is very reasonable to look at this angle, though. He sat out on a second half of a back-to-back against the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
was that one of the reasons why you were able to benefit from Joel Embiid being that healthy and being that ready? I also think because it's the nature of the fourth game of the season and it's not game 68, not game 66, it's not the first round of the playoffs where he was banging low with guys, banging bodies down low in the paint for a a whole season. When that starts to happen, you will see a different physical shape for all these NBA athletes, for all athletes in general. But because it's so early, I just, I think when you realize he sat out and he was fresher, think of it this way. Would you be willing to sacrifice a blowout in Cleveland so you can get that version of Joel Embiid? Is that worth it? Is that the best route to go? Or would you rather have him play both nights, but it might not be to the level that he played against Toronto, but you might not get your ass handed to you in Cleveland. What's the trade-off? What are you looking for as a franchise? And, and maybe if you're not inside the organization, what are you looking for as a fan? Would you be okay with him sitting like he did against Cleveland, sacrificing a victory opportunity just so you know in another spot, in another game, he'll be fresher and ready to go? Or... Do you want him out there competing as much as possible so this team can learn one another? We talk about cohesiveness. When Brett Brown was here, all these different players, Jimmy, Tobias, Shamit, uh, you name it, all these guys moving around town, Markel Fultz, Robert Covington, and then you have to magically snap your fingers and have it work? Well, this is not smooth right now. If things were smoother, I would feel better about it, but it's not. So with that being said, I want Joel Embiid out there because this is the time that you use to learn one another, to figure this damn thing out, so it won't be an eye-scratching type of game. I haven't had fun yet. I had fun against the Knicks, but it wasn't fun because it wasn't competitive, although they handled business in a professional way, which is what I want them to do. So one game of the four is enough for me to give them a clap. One? One out of four. That Washington team, you know what? They snuck a win against Washington. They stink. Russell Westbrook is a stat pad. He's a he's a stat sheet pad stacker. What 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 am I trying to say? He's a stat sheet packer. Is that it? You know what I'm saying? He, he packs the stat sheet. It doesn't result in winning anything. And I knew that from the moment that John Wall trade happened. Russell Westbrook's not a winning player. He's not. So the fact that against a Washington squad that ultimately stinks, that's what it took to get the win? It was game one, bro. Relax. I'm with you. I do. I see it. I do. But I, I don't see it being promising at the moment. And it might be. It might be. I'm aware of this. It might be because of number 25. It might be because of Ben Simmons holding them back. Is Doc Rivers doing certain things because he doesn't have the option to go another route? We heard about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid running pick and rolls. Well, I told you right now that they are at the bottom of the league when it comes to pick and roll volume, according to Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice. So what does that tell you? Is there a reason why you're not getting that? Is Doc Rivers now realizing, holy hell, this is a little bit harder when the guy is unwilling to shoot? The amount of times he could have taken a shot in that past game, it's embarrassing. It it really hurts to see that he is still unwilling to this degree to do anything out there. They're wide open. They are giving him the shot. And ultimately, if you think about it from this perspective, they want you to take it. So do you want to just give them what they want? 
The answer is yes and no. Yes, because Ben Simmons is eventually going to have to do it to show and prove that you are willing to do it. But at the same time, you don't have to take nine a game, right? You can find a happy medium here. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out. But it's ridiculous. It really is. The, the Ben Simmons frustration is is going to hit an all-time high for me this season. If this is the, the track we're on, if this is the road we are taking, I can already sense it. It's game four and it's boiling and, and I'll lose my cool when it comes to Ben Simmons this year. I am just letting everybody know now. I want you to be ready for it because it's incoming. Now, as I mentioned, we have anytime hotline calls. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at DraftKings. While the holiday season may be winding down, the sports calendar is in full swing this week. From collegiate to professional sports, there is no shortage of action, and there is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate this year's college football playoffs, DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to to bet on any semifinal team to win the championship at 100 to 1 odds. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any semifinal team to win the championship. And if your team wins, you cash $100. Let's not forget about the basketball season that just kicked off, so check out all of their daily odds boosts. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code BROADS when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any semifinal to win it all. That's code BROADS for new players to get a shot at $100 on any semifinal this week. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. What I want to do now is take some anytime hotline calls. You called. We react. How did some of the people feel about this game. And by the way, if you want to leave your reactions to any games, as soon as they're over, no matter what sport it is, the phone number, 856-442-9805. What's going on, Rhodes? Great comeback win tonight. Uh, Joel and B played great. Tobias Harris played great. Uh, my question is this. What happened to Matisse Seibel? I know you're going to say he's still at the flaw in his game that he can't shoot, he can't dribble. He didn't look great on either end of the floor tonight. He just looks completely lost, and I think, Doc Rivers not playing him at the start of the year might have really affected him on the mental aspect of the game. And just right now, I don't I don't see it from Matisse Thibault at all. That's going to be interesting because if he can get it going, he's a huge piece of this team. But just for right now, he he's really hurting them. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Matisse Thibault, look, if him getting sat early in the season and Doc Rivers not utilizing him as much as Brett Brown is messing with his mental state that much, well, that's a Matisse Thibault problem. You don't have the right athlete if that's the case because you should be able to handle, especially a young player who knows that he has so much to learn, who knows that he has a major flaw. This isn't LeBron James at age 22 being set. This isn't Kevin Durant early in his career in his mid-prime being set. This is Matisse Thibel. All right, a kid coming out of Washington who was exciting, but obviously he is not a finished product yet and nowhere even close. So from someone who should be aware of where he is in this league, it shouldn't be shocking or stunning that a coach would maybe have him towards the end of the bench. He needs to figure things out. And with Furkan Korkmaz being out of the mix for a couple weeks while he figures out his injury, Matisse Thibault has this opportunity. And in game one of that opportunity, I was very underwhelmed with what he was doing. At times, you're right. He looks lost. He doesn't look prepared. He doesn't look engaged. It's almost as if he's trying to do too much, knowing that he has limited time to show everybody, hey, I can play here. But I just wonder, you know, with Seth Curry and Danny Green, those two together, something's not right. Something's off, 
and I look at this starting rotation, and I raise the question, is it possible that you try a new starting rotation at some point? I don't think it'll be game five, game six, game seven. This is more of just like I am with Doc Rivers. This is more of a, all right, give me 20 games, and if at 20 games we're getting similar production, then I will look at what we have and maybe assess things to the point where we're making a change. That is where I, I could maybe see Matisse Thibel getting a different role if they try something totally new. Now, I don't think, I'm not saying him in the starting rotation by any means, may I add. I don't think that's the way they go. I think Tyrese Maxey would be too raw to get thrown in the starting rotation. And I don't like Shake Milton getting thrown in the starting rotation. And this goes back all the way to the beginning of they are not that great of a team. They have issues. Their roster is not completed yet for an NBA title run. So let's all take a deep breath and just hope that it's a fun season the X's and O's wise and it will have flow to the team offensively where it would not make your eyes bleed because the team would actually strategically play a good style of basketball. Shake Milton in the starting rotation, like to me, that depletes your bench. At what point then do you have someone that you can rely on? And I don't even fully rely on Shake Milton, but who do you go to then on your bench to say, hey, you need to get me a bucket. You need to run this offense. You got to operate at a higher clip. It's not Tyrese Maxey. It's not Matisse Thibel. It's not anybody else. Like I don't think you can move Shake Milton because then that makes your bench so brutal. That hurts your depth that we talked about possibly having when we saw the bench play the first game where they outscored the the... Uh, they outscored the starters, and they played such an excellent game. It would hurt you in that area of the team, which is a major part of this team. They have a big role. I don't know how I got to Matisse Thibel to switching the starting rotation, but you can kind of see the correlation. I don't think Matisse Thibel's role changes or grows until Doc Rivers commits to maybe making a change with the philosophy of this team if they continue to play this version of basketball. That's how I tie that all together. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, bros. I will take that Raptors win. I mean, Joel Embiid is just too damn big. Tobias Harris really stepped up and was looking actually really, really good. And I mean, I would have liked to see, have seen more from Ben. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from Shake, except he did get that nice high left kick off the top of the glass. That was kind of beautiful. Um, would have liked to see more from those guys that had a lot of minutes, but I keep talking about what really impresses me. What I'm really looking forward to seeing is this connection between Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. It's just something between those two guys just makes sense. They, they have this little connection, and it's really going to blossom. And speaking of Seth Curry, that dagger at the end, just <clears throat> <laughs> Let's go, baby. Oh, all right. A little excitement towards the end there. He gave you a little mwah. He gave you a little mwah. He loved the beauty of it. And I thought it was great. It was an unbelievable shot. Seth Curry came up big, knocked down some shots, 17 points. That was a great version of Seth Curry. I love the pass, though. I love the pass by Joel Embiid. The fact that there were two guys on him, a third coming back to him. I mean, they... They drew so much attention just because of who Joel Embiid is and the fact that he made such a good pass to get it to Seth Curry where we've seen him turn the ball over in that situation so many times. 
it was stellar for him to be able to knock down that shot, elevate, be able to make it happen, and boom, delivered. Now, you mentioned Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. I'm just going to mention Seth Curry because we saw J.J. Redick succeed with his ability to knock down shots with dribble handoffs because of Joel Embiid, with Ben Simmons because naturally he does find guys and he will get his teammates open. So I feel because there is this this natural three-point shooter who can knock down shots because he's there to stretch the floor, he's going to look good. I think it's the style of the player, and I'm with you. It'll grow more. They'll be able to adapt more. I'm sure Doc Rivers will implement different looks, different sets, and different actions set off those said sets to get Seth Curry going in other ways once they find out more about how they all play and how they mesh together. I think it'll only grow more, but I do feel because it's just a three-point shooter, we've seen that work with Marco Bellinelli. We've seen that shoot with any, see that work, excuse me, with anyone that can shoot the rock. And right now it's Seth. We'll see how it continues to grow though. Hey, bros. Uh, this is the boy T from South Philly. But listen, um, I just want to call up there and tell you that uh, Ben Simmons and Embiid they had a little beef. I guess who was the, like who team it was. So it's clearly Embiid team. So Ben Simmons needs to take a back seat. He can't even make little fluters. He can't make no jump shots. He can't do nothing. Only thing he can do is run around. Fast, energy, pass the ball to people, grab rebounds, and hopefully make a shot. So, you know, Joel Embiid is his team, Ben Simmons. He's the second best player on the team, bro. I'm agreeing with you, and I think that was definitely a message from Daryl Morey when he first got here, how many times did he mention Embiid, 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 Embiid in the pressers? We all raised the question, does that mean Ben Simmons is on the move? Does that mean Ben Simmons is on the go? And he would work in Ben's name throughout, but it wasn't as heavy and noticeable as it was with Joel Embiid. And from that moment, I think it was pretty telling, hey, the way they view this is, it, it is Joel Embiid's team. And I don't know if Ben Simmons is pissed off about that his style of play is and really always has been I want my teammates to succeed I want my teammates to be the guy I want to work around what the guys around me do so well so he's always had that hey I'll be passive as well as someone else on my team is ready to rock and roll and knock down shots so would that piss off Ben Simmons? Is that something that would get him all like riled up and, and disappointed that it's not his team? Maybe because even though he is willing to get everyone else going, he dominates at such a high level in his past in other parts of his career, whether it was college, high school, that he was still technically the man and the guy, even though it was based off of how his other teams performed because he would get them the basketball. So I, I'm with you. I do see that side of it. I think it's clear, though. I don't think that there's a disconnect. I don't think that there's a problem with Ben Simmons hearing that it's Joel Embiid's team. I think this the problem is this is just Ben Simmons. If this was Ben Simmons' team or if it wasn't Ben Simmons' team, I think you still get this version of Ben Simmons. I think that's the bigger issue. I don't think it really has anything to do with what the message says from the team standpoint. I don't care. Or I don't think he cares about who's saying what. 
I think he just worries about his game, and this is how he plays the game. And wherever that takes him, whatever that is at the end of the day, that's what he is. In terms of whose team, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. Although I always said that. When you ask the question, whose team is this, to the fan base, I think now it's evident. I think now it's clearer than it's ever has been. But over the last handful of years, if you ask that question around the city, you get a bunch of different answers. You would be split. It might be 60-40. It might be 65-35. But that's too much still. It needs to be one answer. And you would have some people say Ben. You would have some people say Joel Embiid. Well, if that's the case, that's showing you an issue internally. That's showing you a problem. In the NBA, it needs to be one man's team. Look at the Lakers. It's not Anthony Davis's team, and everybody knows that. It's not Paul George's team with the Clippers. Everybody knows that. It's Kawhi Leonard. Even when you look at those San Antonio Spurs teams, they had fantastic play. Tony Parker, who, who was the guy that had the ball in his hands. Ginobili, amazing. Whose team was it? It was Tim Duncan's team. Now, here's one. Shaq and Kobe. Whose team? Fine. If you want to bring that up, well... That's very rare. I think you will find more of the scenarios I just laid out over that. And guess how it ended? I think it's pretty telling. I think we all know it didn't end well. Ultimately, I wouldn't give a damn if it had the results that they had. If it brought the championships they had, I don't give a damn if Ben and Joel don't like each other. It's very telling, though, that there was this mixed message of whose team was it going to be when they were so young. With Ben taking a back seat, I don't think he's... He's taking a back seat to it. This has always been Ben. Ben has always been run around, get his teammates open looks, play elite defense, grab some rebounds, fill the stat sheet. My biggest fear was Ben Simmons would become something similar to Russell Westbrook, a guy that we look at that gives you a lot of rebounds, a lot of assists, points. He doesn't win a damn thing, Russell Westbrook. Ben Simmons gives you a winning attitude on defense, game-changing elite defense, one through five, but that's still not enough. You can't win with that being your number two guy, being your point guard who's bringing the ball up in half-court sets in playoff basketball. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty wild spot right now when it comes to Ben Simmons, and I am more open to the conversations than I ever have been. At this point, it's... It's unacceptable. It really is. It's unacceptable. Nothing. Absolutely nothing in these scenarios. He's getting the chances. He's getting the opportunities to show, hey, I- I've done something. And once again, I know he's done it. To say he hasn't done it is not true. It is not correct. He has worked on the shooting insanely. But it is not coming out in games. And until that happens, this, this is going to be the product. So the more and more I look at these woes and the more and more I look at this team, there's a common denominator here. It's crushing to say, you know, I've been a big supporter of Ben Simmons. All right, with over 20 years of experience in the industry, Orbit Energy empowers home to your solar experts in residential and commercial projects. They are dedicated to making sure that your project is completed easily and properly by using high-quality materials and trained professionals to get the job done right. They also provide water purification systems, backup energy services, battery storage, and more. So check out their information. It's all down below in the description. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you next time.